But I think we it goes for everything that we sort of avoid. Politics, religion, sex, death. They're all real things in life. And we put barriers and fences around them. I became more ill than my mom at one point. Because, you know, no one talks about that either. Caregivers get very, get very sick because all of this trauma that's thrown on you, the key is remembering in the moment that you're going to move through it. And it's getting that support, like we talked about. So if you don't have it through friends or family, uh, you know, it could be through your church. It could be through uh, support groups. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help you crush your self-limiting beliefs and embrace being unapologetically you. The Born Unbreakable podcast brings you inspirational stories from all over the world that will empower you to unlock your unbreakable spirit. I'd love to partner with you on your next breakthrough. Go to bornunbreakable.com to schedule a free transformational call. Action begins today. Are you looking for a one-stop shop in Las Vegas where you can comfortably stay and host an event? Athena Estate is located in Southwest Las Vegas, just 10 minutes from the Strip and offers everything you need. On over an acre of land, this indoor-outdoor venue is perfect for an intimate retreat, a small wedding, or a milestone birthday. We offer a variety of packages and services that will fit your needs and your budget. Book with us by December 26th and receive 20% off your stay or event. Visit staydorado.com, that's S-T-A-Y-D-O-R-A-D-O.com to learn more. We look forward to customizing your next experience. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm here with my friend that I can call my friend now since we've had many months to connect and engage with each other since the last time that she was on my show, uh, which you've heard her, which was last year in 2022. And now we're in 2023, uh, almost approaching spring. Thank goodness. Cause I could use a little sun in my life, but I have Tarla Makayev with me and we're talking about something different today. Last time she was on the show, we talked about copyright and social media and marketing, which are all very important. But today we're getting a little bit more vulnerable because Tarla has a book coming out that I'm going to let her talk about. And I wanted to, before we jump into our conversation, I just wanted to make mention of the fact that we just recently celebrated Women's Day. And this month of March is Women's History Month, and it is also uh, W03 Day is on March 25th, which we celebrate, you know, supporting women-owned businesses. So I, I just love this month of being able to honor women like Tarla, your story, all the things that you do in the world, which I admire so much. This woman, I'm telling you, is the ultimate. Every time I turn around, I mean, there's this book that she's doing. She's gotten certifications in rapid, you know, transformational rapid therapy and all these really cool things that she has to offer in the world. But I'm excited to have a conversation that is really more about her experience being a caretaker and what that journey has brought her to and what she's learned from it. So Tarla, thank you for for coming on again. Thank you so much for having me a second time. You're amazing. You're amazing, Des. Thank you. 
Yeah. Well, something special is happening in a couple of days. So tell me about that. Yeah. So I am part of a book collab. Um, it's from the She is Magic series on Amazon. And this is the final book in the series. There's five in the series. Uh, it's called She is Magic Unforgettable. It is launching on Amazon on March 14th. Um, and for the digital copies are only 99 cents and all the proceeds benefit, uh, St. Jude Children's uh, Cancer Research Hospital. So, and that's into perpetuity. So I'm really, really proud of that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an amazing series of books. It is basically for hope and inspiration. It's just women's stories who've been through struggles, difficult times, trials and tribulations like we all have and coming out the other end and coming out stronger and more resilient. Yeah. How did you come to be a part of this collaboration? Yeah. So um, Blair Hayes is the one who um, creates these books through Elite uh, Publishing House. And a long time ago, God, it, it seems like it's two, at least two years ago. I don't remember when this started, maybe three years ago. I remember seeing somebody, and I don't even remember who now, but in one of her books and talking about it and just the name, She is Magic. It just was memorable. It stuck out to me. And so she ended up doing her last book of the series recently. And I was able to just jump on that and be part of it. You know, I, I've had my own book on, on my marketing, um, you know, that I have, and I've had other books on Amazon that I just kind of just threw up there. They're things that I had created, um, actually when I was taking care of my mom, I was just basically writing on different topics and, but I never really um, put any effort into really having a book on Amazon. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool because you you reach a new audience, you get to share your story, and you get to hopefully inspire people and let them know they're not alone. I think it's so important that so many of us go through really difficult times. And sometimes we feel, and I felt very alone when I was a caregiver. And it's important for other people out there to know, like, no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. There are other people who've walked that same path and they've gotten out of it. And you can too. We can all get out of, you know, those, those uh, valleys and go to the peaks, you know, um, together. Yeah. I think it's interesting you're talking about that because when you're, when you're in the valley, which we've all been there. It feels alone because you you have a little bit of that tunnel vision. You're so focused on what you're needing to do and you have your head down. It's hard to feel like people understand you. Yeah. It's not like you're getting on the phone and putting yourself out there every day going, hey, I'm going through this. And then everybody rallies around you and goes, me too. And oh my gosh. You know, I think sometimes those are the things that happen after is when you sort of make it through some of the difficult times and take a step back to have a breathing room and then it all hits you. And then you have the conversations because it's like going through grief and going through hard times is, is such a, it's such a fascinating process to me because it's almost like you're numb initially. And then it just, it hits you when you least expect it. And then you're just in shambles. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the strongest emotions and we're all going to go through it at some point in some way. And everyone, I think, responds differently. So some people may not reach out for help. Others might reach out for help. I don't know. I think I'm a combination. I definitely reached out for help during that time and I got mixed kind of responses from people. A lot of people are very uncomfortable with like grief. It's a very heavy emotion and they're almost scared of it. And the fact that I think like they want to remove themselves from it because they don't 
almost want something to happen to them that makes them bring up those emotions of grief, right? Um, but yeah, like we're all going to go through these things. We all need people to lean on. You know, we are not an island. And so it's hard to go through anything alone, especially for an extended period of time. I mean, no matter how strong you are, I mean, these types of things can, can break you. And that's why at the very least, if you are alone, you know, I was really alone in the journey there. You have something like, you know, posts on social media, you have a book like this, you have something to help get you through that. If there's no one to talk to, no one there. Okay, this person, maybe I don't know them or I knew them a little from social media, but they went through something difficult. They got through it, um, you know, and so I think it's it's important. You, you never know like what a post or a book or a chapter will do for somebody and how that will just change their outlook or their life. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. Connection, uh, stories. I mean, it's stories are what brings us together. You know, people come from different walks of life and whether it's your socioeconomic background or whatever culture that you are from familiar with, the stories that bond us are emotions, yeah. pain, grief, sorrow, joy. I mean, those are things that transcend everything else. It transcends color and religion and, you know, because it's it's ubiquitous. It's something that we all experience. So, Tarla, tell us the story about your caregiving experience? Yeah. So I obviously won't say everything because I go into it in the chapter, but essentially my mom, um, you know, one day got, got very sick. She had a, a heart attack and um, it was really out of the blue for me. She was working full-time as a nurse. I mean, she was older. She was in her early seventies, but you know, when you see someone working full-time, they seem strong, um, you know, there were some signs of her gaining weight and some things she said that kind of concerned me, but she was a nurse. And so I was like, well, she's going to, you know, take care of herself, go to the doctor, do the things she needs to do. And, um, you know, what was shocking about it was I was basically one. So, I mean, one, I was, I was one when I lost my dad. So I was alone in the fact that like, this was my last remaining parent. And I know that's something that you can relate to. Um, and it's really, really hard when you're thinking like, wow, this is, you know, I don't have anyone left after this. This this is it. And so I, I think it was just mind boggling because when these things happen, nobody expects it, right? It's not like you're going in this expecting it. You know, it's probably like people get sick and all this, but the, uh, the thing that really actually disturbs me is like nobody talks about this when you're younger. Nobody talks about this in school. Nobody talks about taking care of your elders. Nobody talks about caregiving. Nobody talks about the realities of what happens in life later, right? So basically, you know, it it's uh, a story that I talk about it, that I've mentioned on social media, but I haven't gone into the depth that I haven't. Clearly, because it's only one chapter, there's a lot that's not in there. There's a lot more that happened. Um, but essentially I talk about like how difficult the journey was, um, emotionally, but also like physically, like spiritually, financially, like all the things, all the red tape involved when someone gets sick with the medical system, um, just a lot of different things like, you know, not having the emotional support that I needed and kind of how I, I got through that time and kind of what my end, end note is about that entire experience. But it was the, really the most difficult thing I've ever been through in my life. You know, um, 
There's nothing harder. I think people think, you know, they go to a job or they work as an entrepreneur. That's hard. Well, let me tell you, caregiving is probably the hardest job on the planet. I mean, it goes beyond even like I've never been a um, I've never been a parent to a child. But this is like being a parent to a child. But there's a sadness in it because there's no joy there because it's like a child, but it's like a sick child. And then on top of it, um, like people don't understand. They're not there for you. So it's just it's so, it's just so difficult. I mean, I, I don't know how to put it into words. It was the hardest thing and it's unpaid. You know, nobody pays you for this and it's emotionally just draining. I became more ill than my mom at one point because, you know, no one talks about that either. Caregivers get very, get very sick because all of this trauma that's thrown on you and you're just thrown in this world of having to deal with all these doctors and all, all this medical system and, and people not supporting you. It's just a lot, you know, and I'm so glad I made it through, you know? Yeah. Ah, uh, I, I have so much empathy for everything that you're saying. And, uh, honestly, this is probably the first time I've engaged in this conversation more deeply about caregiving because you're right. It's not something, it's not like you go meet up with your friends and this is like the first topic that you start talking about, right? Like you're talking about other stuff. Usually it's work or relationships or their kids or, you know, things like that. So I, um, 20, uh, I think 2018, if I have my numbers right, um, uh, taken, took my mom in to live with me, um, mostly to help her not feel like she was alone as she was getting older because she lived, lived on her own in a condo. Uh, so sold that. And, um, you know, fast forward through the years, she was with me in California. I moved to Las Vegas and she's with me now. And she's had a series of health challenges. That's, you know, something, uh, I've dealt with. Okay. I found this on the web for a series of health challenges that you know something. Check it out. She's also assisting with uh, helping find information. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, diabetes was was like the manageable thing because it's, you know, it's a, it's a common thing. Like it can be managed, but there's, there are many other things, you know, that have come up with like her respiratory system and heart. And, and so you're right. Like it, it sometimes it's like, oh, we could do this. It, it's fine. And then suddenly it becomes overwhelming. And then you are not sure. You're not really sure of the trajectory of things. And, and then you try to adopt this like neutral thinking. Of like, well, you can't go so negative because then now you're really putting, you know, not that good vibes in the universe. You can't be overly positive because then you're maybe in a constant state of getting disappointed when things don't happen the way you want to. But you're just trying to be present of like, this is today. How is today? And then going from there. But it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly... For me, I, I couldn't be positive during the time I went into major depression. So I don't remember touching on that because, again, there's only so much I could say in a chapter and only so much room. But, um, no, I couldn't force a smile. I mean, I really was seriously majorly depressed. I remember going out with somebody. I was doing a little bit of fit modeling when I could still work. I mean, I did this 24-7, so I could not work at all. 
it was literally she needed constant round the clock assistance. And at the very beginning, I was able to work a little. So I did fittings for for clothing manufacturers because it paid really well. And I was able just to go out a little bit and make a bunch of money. And I remember meeting for at lunch with uh, another fit model and I literally couldn't force a smile. And I'm like, something is very wrong. And it was because I was overwhelmed to the hilt. I mean, I have never felt that way before in my life. It was so much was coming at me. My mom had 10 different doctors. I mean, it was nonstop and it was always something new. And when you don't have like someone to lean on, you know, I didn't have a partner, I don't have siblings, then, you know, I had extended family and I just dressed that in the book, but they weren't there. Um, and so, and that's a very common theme also with caregivers that the, um, even if you have a close sister or a brother, that if you go into any of the caregiver groups on Facebook, you'll see a theme of people saying, nobody's helping me. I'm the one doing everything. And they're, they're overwhelmed. I just think it's, it's unnatural for us to, um, it's like, we want to take care of other people, but it's unnatural to take care of someone to that length because years ago, people didn't live into their eighties, right? They lived till 40 or whatever, and then they died. And there wasn't all this advanced medicine that keeps you going, but with that, which is great, it extends life is also that it extends like, like other people having to be there for that person to help manage. Right. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, I was not in a positive space and I just was doing my best to go through the motions and just, and I did meditate. I meditated sometimes with my mom three times a day. I had at one point, uh, we did like a tea meditations we did meditations morning and I did everything possible, but it's like I, my brain was chemically affected because it was in constant onslaught. And, you know, now I have more tools. Like I had tools then I was very self-aware, but as you know, now I'm a life coach, I'm a hypnotherapist. So I unfortunately just did like talk therapy and I feel like it was near the end. I don't, honestly, a lot of this is blanked out because it was so traumatic. I don't remember like the sequence of events very perfectly. I'd have to go back and look at, you know, recover emails or notes or stuff. But I do know that I only had tried talk therapy. And it's afterwards that I went to EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization or reprocessing. That's specifically for trauma that really helped. But I think what people need to do in the middle of this um, is like, you need to get that support ASAP. So if you don't have it from people around you, you need to be in some form of therapy, which I was the talk therapy for me, uh, continues the cycle of negativity because you're just you're just basically venting and then the person listens they say a few words you go back for the next session and it's like more venting and so it just perpetuates the negativity by constantly complaining and so yeah. I needed something like life coaching or hypnotherapy because it helps you look towards the life coaching helps you look towards the future and remember right. it's not always going to be like this and hypnotherapy really gets down to well, you know, the trauma behind this and releasing things, you know, quickly. So I didn't have the appropriate tools, really. You know, I was given a pill. The doctors love to give you a pill. And it did save me during that time. But I'm, I'm no longer an antidepressant. So I haven't been for a long time. But wow, it was a journey. I will just say that. But I still do want to give people hope that it's just that I didn't have I didn't look for all the resources. There was no Facebook group at the time. There were no, there was no Facebook. There was no caregiving groups. 
Um, and so now you can go in no matter what issue you're having in your life, even if it has nothing to do with caregiving. If it's some other issue, you can find like a Facebook group. You can find people who are going through the same thing. You can find forums, communities. There weren't these things that really existed and it was, it was harder to find. It was more in person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I'm glad that you're, you know, able to talk about the advice, you know, cause that the advice that you would give to somebody and that's in that situation. Cause I think many people are, but it's like you said, it's not discussed. So even if you are in that position, you're probably just moving through it and, you know, doing the best you can. Um, but it, it makes such a difference to feel like you can have that support when you're going through something that difficult, because then you're doing it with, with more intention and not just, you know, trying to, trying to get through it. There, there, there can be the sense of connection and understanding from, from other people who, you know, have, are going through something similar that is kind of sad, right? It's like people come together easily when there's something good and fun to celebrate. When it's, when it is the darker part of our lives, it's, it usually evokes a, a deeper level of vulnerability that sometimes is uncomfortable to unveil, especially if you're potentially doing it to strangers, if that's the only group that you've, you know, come in contact with. And now you're telling your story to people that you've just met for the first time. Right. So, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. It's always to remember like this too shall pass. This is only a moment in time. You're going to move through this. It's just a chapter of your life literally a chapter. We're talking about a book. This is a chapter of your life. It's a season. You will move through it. The key is remembering in the moment that you're going to move through it. And it's getting that support like we talked about. So if you don't have it through friends or family, uh, you know, it could be through your church. It could be through uh, support groups. I actually leaned on the church. I didn't talk about this in the book, but um, there was someone called Stephen, uh, Stephen Ministry. So it's a P. So Stephen ministry. And I'm Catholic. So it's through the Catholic church, but I think it's through all, all denominations. I don't really know what other denominations it might be through, but basically they were also saving graces. They are, um, uh, basically unpaid volunteers who, who are like angels. They volunteer their time to, they get some training and they basically just walk the walk with you. So I did have that. I did have that support and it did help. It's, it feels different than family and friends, right? And there were some people there, but but it was sparse. Um, but it still was something. So I am appreciative of that. And I think what would have even been more helpful, but again, it didn't exist. I think really Facebook groups of people all going through a similar cause, I think it's so powerful because there's a real community there and people who actually are in similar shoes to you who really, truly do understand. I think it's people can listen to you, a therapist can listen to you, or like a student minister, and it's great. I think it's great if you have understanding. So even if you get a life coach or get a hypnotherapist, if people have been in a similar situation to you, there's just going to be more understanding there. It's only natural. But um, mm -hmm. I want people to know this too shall pass. And my experience is going to be different than everyone else's. And I hope that this book, this chapter in this book is maybe a small resource for somebody to be a part of that support system of the many things they can do, um, you know, or the support groups they can find help and get through any kind of tough time. It doesn't have to be related to this topic. Just remembering like 
have faith because the thing is we, we go through these things and it's hard in the moment to understand this. And it was hard for me, but we go through these things to make ourselves stronger, to grow, to be more resilient. Life is not about comfort. Life is about discomfort. Life is about getting through the struggles. And none of us want to struggle. None of us love that part of life, but that's just what life is. And it builds you in a stronger person and much stronger. I mean, if I could go through that, I can go through anything. And I know that. Um, I want people to remember that hopefully. Yeah, no, that's a, that's such a good message. And I, and I appreciate the diversity of support that you're talking about because there isn't a one size fits all, you know, for some people, maybe it's the, the sense of community that is where they find the most value. Maybe it is more in a one-on-one setting and there isn't a, you know, a perfect recipe every time I'm curious. So I think a lot of people are used to Facebook now. They're used to social media. They're used to using that avenue to kind of uh, re- do research and find community. Um, I do think that there's a lot of information out there about therapy. I mean, there's even employers who provide like, hey, we have employee assistance program if you want to have some therapy sessions. Um, you know, I recently, I think I mentioned this to you um, interviewed a hypnotherapist that opened an institute that had been um, as, you know, in, in the field for many years, probably over 30, and has this had this his institute for probably half that time. Um, but for those that maybe are less familiar, because that's, that's a not as commonly discussed of hypnotherapy, what you mentioned EMDR, can you talk a little bit more about what that is? And if somebody were to go and pursue that, what, what would the experience be like? Yeah, so uh, that stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. It's a therapy specifically for trauma. So now it has been, the last time I went there was before the pandemic. And so I stopped going because she wasn't doing Zooms on this. But essentially um, it has to do with your eye movement, hence the name. And she, or he, whoever the the therapist is or the psychologist, they are kind of moving their finger back and forth, almost kind of like a a clock in front of your, like TikTok in front of your eyes. And your eyes are following, right, that movement, following that movement. And it's something about the left brain and the right brain, kind of that connection that you make. I mean, it's been a while since I've done it, so I can't explain it fully, but what happens is you go into scenes. So the therapist is talking to you, you go back to scenes in your life. It actually is, there's some similarities with hypnotherapy, um, at least the way that, you know, I'm, I'm talking about rapid transformational therapy through Marissa Peer, which is, um, you know, that's the, how I learned hypnotherapy. Um, so there's some similarities there. I, I would say um, now I prefer hypnotherapy because it's faster, but it had a similar idea where you were going back to scenes in your life and processing them. And I believe if I recall correctly, she was saying at the end, like, where's your emotion now from a one to 10 at like the end of the session, it would be like 10 is the most upsetting and one is the least and, or vice versa. And I'd have to give her her number, a number, but I would come back and will always be going to these scenes somehow her talking to me and doing this kind of left to right motion with her finger. Um, 
she would do that prior to me going in those scenes. It's very interesting, but it, that is really good for trauma. So I would say if somebody is going through trauma, my understanding is, is that you don't necessarily want to go straight into that if it's fresh trauma. You want to maybe just go to a therapist first. Like obviously don't, I would, I'm just going to say this, even as a hypnotherapist, don't go to a hypnotherapist first. I would never say that. When you have trauma, like go to a therapist, go to a psychologist, go to a, a psychiatrist, go there first, right? Let them kind of get you um, kind of to a neutral level, right? And then when you're at that level, then I think pursue these other modalities, right? And then then it's time to maybe start in the EMDR. That was what I was told basically don't go straight in the EMDR I think it would have been too much for me in the middle of caregiving um I don't know that I would have done things differently maybe just had the sessions a little earlier but I would definitely look into that for anybody who's struggling with trauma EMDR is very powerful I think it's one of the best things I ever did there's also something called somatic body work so I like to pair this personally for myself with the hypnotherapy because a hypnotherapy is the mind and somatic is the body. So you store trauma in your mind, right? With your thoughts, with these limiting beliefs, but you also store trauma in your body, right? So what you don't express verbally, like let's say you're angry and you hold it in, you don't tell someone I'm hurt, you know, I, I'm, or I'm scared. When you start holding that in, that's where everybody gets the, the sore neck, the uh, stiff shoulders, and the shoulders are really a powerhouse area for storing trauma. So it's really important also to, yeah, well, a lot of people have the, the shoulder. Hey, that that's trauma there. Um, <laughs> I know we all have it. We all have it. Um, and so it's important to also like loosen that up. Also the hips, like the, the psoas, the hips and the pelvis are like a huge place for storing trauma, like basically throughout your body. Um, and so I've been doing some somatic exercises and, um, and that stuff you can, you know, look, look up anywhere. Um, and they're just very gentle, uh, exercises. One really cool thing to talk about that I just thought about too is rocking. Rocking is very therapeutic. So, um, for instance, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, right. When we're, when we're on a podcast, but if you're laying on your side with your knees bent, so kind of in a, a bit of a kind of like almost like you would lay down when you were a child, your knees somewhat bent on your side and you kind of put one hand down on the surface and you kind of, you rock the whole side of your body. That is very healing for your body. That's why we're rocked as babies. We're rocked in a cradle because a rocking is actually like healing your body. It's just, I don't know what it is about that motion, that sensation, but it just kind of releases trauma. So even something as simple as rocking, that's why people have rocking chairs. Um, there's something to that. You're kind of feel like you're being lulled to sleep. There are, I went once to, um, I went once to this uh, retreat, um, kind of this beautiful hotel spa in Sedona. I forget the name of it. Oh, it was called Miyamo. And they had this water feature where you were with a therapist and they kind of guide you through the water. Um, they hold your head and you're just kind of relaxed and they're just guiding your body. It's like, like kind of in a little jacuzzi type tub. And it's a similar idea. It's not rocking, but it's just kind of lulling your body to relaxation. So I would also pay attention to your body, not only your mind, you know, get out there, exercise, which is something that I started neglecting myself. I got so busy that I wasn't doing the things I stopped doing it. And I gained weight. I got depressed. 
because I thought, well, I don't have time. I, I barely have time to like do anything, you know, but it's important. You probably don't even look at a clock. I mean, you're just yeah. doing things. I, I think it's so critical. It's so vital. Everything you're saying, this is so informative because it is such an immersive thing. It's, it is, it's mind, it's body, it's spirit. I remember, um, the first time I went into an egg pod. So it's like a, they put like a ton of salt, like, uh, into this pod with water and it's like float therapy, I guess you could say. And it, and you could have the little egg open or closed, but it is meant to, and you could be nude or you could have like a, if you're a woman, a little bathing suit or something like that to, to cover yourself a little bit if you want, but you float. So you don't have to worry about getting in there and, you know, drowning or something like that. But um, I was kind of skeptical because I was like, what, what is this whole thing about? I think a, a, an aunt had mentioned it to me and I went to try it with my sister of like, oh, maybe this is just kind of like a thing we could do to relax. And it was really fascinating. And and the the benefits of it were similar to what you described with the somatic, with the rocking and things. It's like when you can put your body in a state of relaxation and calm and peace and quiet, what it can do for you, and then it feeds your mental right? Because we're all, it's, we're all interconnected. It's not like they don't, they're, they're completely distinctive things, but when your body is in that state and then your mind is actually clear, you have this moment of, it takes the stress away because when we're in our regular form, it's just, we, we revert to it. All of the thoughts, all of the things we need to do, our to-do lists, our reminders. Tarla and I were talking before we started this podcast interview of like all the dinging that we get from like our computer and our technology and our phone is going off. It's like all these like things that provide sensory stimulation to us through sound. Um, it's, it's like overwhelming in this world today. So it's almost like you have to be that much more intentional about finding these avenues for quiet and doing this work on your mind and your body and your soul, uh, especially in times when you're going through some difficult things. So it's it's nice to be able to talk about the different methods because I, I don't know that it's the first thing people think of. Yeah. You're just thinking that you're tired, <laughs> you're exhausted. You just want to take a nap if it's even possible, you know, maybe see the sunlight at some point if you can get out of, you know, the, like you said, like the caretaking and the stuff that just consumes you. So it's, it's really eye-opening for anyone listening that, you know, and whether you're doing it right now as somebody who is a caretaker in some type of way, or it's just something you're thinking about because you may have a parent or somebody in your family that it could be a responsibility that occurs, whether it's planned or not planned, that is important to think about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking when you're saying about sleep, yeah, I mean, sleep, there's there's this triad, right, of food, diet, um, exercise, and sleep. And most people on that, those three fall into sleep becomes most important for them. And you need at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night, meaning you need to be in bed at least eight to nine hours because you need to account for the time you need to fall asleep. 
So mm. sleep was critical for me. And that is part of what went wrong, that I never got a lot of sleep. And I remember, I didn't talk about this in the chapter, but when I, my mom would fall, right, and end up in a nursing home or the hospital, and I would have, you know, I would call, maybe she might be there for three weeks, let's say, so I might call, you know, every other day. But I literally remember a nurse calling once and saying, oh, your mom's asking for you, are you going to come visit? And I said, no, do you know that I never get a break? I'm like, this is my vacation. Like I'm sleeping now. I, I'm catching up. Like literally I wouldn't go in because I was with her for six years, 24 seven. I never got a break. And so, and I mean, never, I didn't have people paid to come in the house. There was nobody, there was nobody um, because we were middle-class. There was no rich, you know, we just pay people to come in and we were not poor. So we didn't get all this assistance. There was nothing. It was me. I was the sole, sole island. So I was like, no, I'm like, do you know that I never rest? And so I would literally use that time to get takeout, watch TV, sleep in bed, literally would stay in bed for a week just to catch up. And so it's super important as much as you can to get that rest because I didn't do it. I look back and I see all the things I did wrong in an ideal world. And my diet started going out the window, you know, also because you're just trying to rush around and do things quickly. And so you're not caring for yourself. Diet's important. Um, like we talked working out, even if it's 20 minutes getting out for a quick walk, I should have done that. I didn't do that. I was just like, when you're in a depressed state, you kind of you know, balls in motion, stay in motion, balls at rest, stay at rest. So mm. yeah, I mean, I think that that's all very important. And, and the other, other point here too, is that something that, you know, sometimes medication is needed. I needed medication. Cause I, like I said, I, at one point I couldn't even force a smile, but I think like, obviously consult with your doctor. Like we're not doctors here. We're not therapists. Consult with your therapist, consult with the professionals, consult with the doctor. I will just say this a lot of times, like things like anti-anxiety medicine, sometimes are really needed. If you're going to have a panic attack, you take your anti-anxiety meds, like you take that stuff. Um, but going back to somatic body stuff, when we have trauma, so in the wild, in the polar bear, when, when they have trauma, they literally shake it out they'll like fall over and start shaking violently. And that is them releasing the anxiety and the trauma from their body. If they were just chased by hunters or whatever, there's this famous study. And what happens with humans is we go, no, I don't want to shake. I don't want to feel that nervous feeling. Let me take a pill and I'll feel better instantly. Right. Cause we want a quick fix. And again, sometimes the pills are necessary, um, but it's just something to, to keep, keep into account that, if you constantly are putting that band-aid, that pill and taking that pill every day, that trauma is building up that trauma then that's in our shoulders, in our neck. And so those exercises we're talking about somatic, and there's also ones called trauma release exercises that I would do. Literally you shake out, like you'd be surprised if either one of us did it right now, we'd have tons of trauma. We're shaking out. It just builds up because you're like an onion. So you got to manage this as you go and not let it like I did. I let it pile. And I'm saying this from a standpoint of not that I know everything. I know it now, but I didn't know it then. Then you let yeah. it build up. And then it's like, then you're taking the antidepressant. Then you're taking the anti-anxiety because then you can't, you know, force a smile because you've let it accumulate. And it's easier said than done when you don't have assistance, but sometimes less things will just have to get done. So you can take care of yourself. You got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first to put it on the other person, right? Like they say on the plane. 
Gosh, it it didn't it does make me think though how as human beings we allow ourselves sometimes to harbor such emotions to a point where it reach, reaches an eruption. Yeah. Because I don't know, we I guess when I think about it for me it's more I am one of those people where Oh, I, well, I don't want to burden other people with my stuff or what I'm, what's going on. It's like, this isn't, this isn't somebody else's thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go and, Hey, like all this stuff's going on with me. Listen to me, pay attention to what's going on. It's so that's for one thing, for better or for worse. That's just kind of like how I operate. And I, I imagine that other people may feel similarly. So then it becomes like you're just, you're with your, your thoughts all the time. And your thoughts might not be the best thoughts. And so, you know, as we know from the work that you and I have done, it's like your thoughts become your feelings, become your actions, become your destiny. And it's like, it just, it's you, it consumes you. And sometimes it isn't until you're at that breaking point when you, when then now you have to go into this whole cycle of now trying to understand and unravel all this builds up that you've done to, to get back to a place of equilibrium. Yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely. It's like a cycle. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you also bring up an interesting point because I know for, for other people, they may have a hybrid situation, potentially a full-time situation where maybe they do hire a caretaker and it could be a care. It could either be one of two situations where your, your loved one, is in a home or facility and you're a person that is kind of more visiting them and other people are doing the caretaking or they're in a home yours or a home of their own but they have caretakers come to them during either elongated or some short periods of time you know for that support so so maybe it is a little bit of a system where you do part part and then other other professionals come in, in and do part but um you know, that that too has its own set of interesting things to, to manage because then there's a schedule. There's also financial responsibilities linked to that. So there are different scenarios that people, you know, can find themselves in. And one of my best friends works for uh, a company called Honor and they send the care caregivers out to the people. Um, and you know, and then it's and then it's like trying to create this compassionate care plan where everyone's on the same page. You know, I hear you talking about your mom and 10 doctors. I mean, even just getting providers on the same page with where is this person at? What is it they need? This this doctor is doing X. This doctor is doing Y, you know, and then it just it's it's a lot of information all at once and everybody is hopefully working towards the same cause but it's a lot it's a lot of emotional energy i feel like that's exerted in this kind of situation you know well you could see a person changing from their their best state to a state that is more deteriorated yeah. you know and for you your your personal situation when it got to that point where it was closer to the end for your mom, what did you anticipate that? Did you, I guess, mentally kind of plan for things or did it, did it feel very sudden when it was 
that last week or you, you can't you can't mentally plan for this. I mean, no matter how much you try, like no one's ever prepared for this. It was very, very surreal. Um very, very difficult. You know, I was um just at the brink of tears all the time, you know, knowing kind of this like inner knowing. You know, I knew six months before that there was something very wrong. She's starting to sleep a lot more. And once she was in emergency and I mentioned the doctors and, and, you know, I actually feel like I knew more than half the doctors. Like I was trusting my instinct and they're like, Oh no. And sure enough, she only had six months left at that point. And it was like, her body was starting to shut down. Um, I don't think you can, you can ever anticipate. It's just was, um, you know, one of the most difficult moments of my life and still is and still think it's something I think about because the anniversary of her death is coming up right after Easter between Easter and Mother's Day. So I was in, um, you know, uh, the mall the other day and I saw like, you know, Easter and bunny, whatever, little gift packages. And so like, you know, that feeling doesn't go away too. And that's another thing, the grief lingers. And, you know, I know people want to spin things and say, and it's great. It's great to have this attitude like, oh, celebrating someone's life. And it's true. It's just, it's different when they're not here. Even if you believe they're here spiritually, which I totally do. Get signs from my parents all the time. They're they're very chatty with me, which I love. <laughs> uh, very chatty, like me. I get that after them. Um Great. Like, I know they're still here with me. It's just different than someone being there in the physical form. But um, going back to kind of what you were saying, too, I also think a great thing for people to do, because what you were saying about the buildup of the emotion, is to journal. It's not something I did. Just get those emotions out. If you have no one to talk to you, you could still journal. Open a journal. Do whatever you have to do, even if it's venting, even if it's, you know, we're talking about that being negative. But sometimes you need to vent initially, like at least get that first five to 10 minutes of venting out and then see what else comes out of you. But just everybody always has a journal. Even if you're alone, you can just really like put your thoughts and get them out over time. But yeah, it's, it's not easy. The thing is, we're all going to go through this. We're all going to lose our parents at some point. Nobody's immune from this. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, difficult and, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in, it's not easy. Very yeah. hard, you know, to move on past that. And it's still in moments of this is surreal kind of feels like it's out of a movie. feels like it didn't even happen mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I can see like yeah. shots in my mind and very like, wow, I can't believe. <laughs> um, this is even, yeah. I mean, I know I was so alarmed that I actually had a friend say, you need to calm down. You're going to have a stroke. Like I was, I was just like out of my mind with grief. Um, because it's still shocking when it happens. Like nobody gives you the day and time, you know, mm. you, you don't know. So, um, but yeah, I'm sending out love and light to anybody who's ever lost anyone because, you know, I know it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. I am with you on that. And as, as we come, as our time comes to a close, Tarla, I want to ask you, you know, what would you, what did, what have you learned about grieving? I think I've learned that grieving is, for me at least, everyone's different. I feel like it's a lifelong process. Again, I've seen people in these Facebook groups that have been, you know, they're like, I lost someone 20 years ago. You never forget that person. For me, it's like I feel like I'm missing part of me, but um, this too shall pass. So it's a dichotomy of a message. Like it never completely goes away. 
at least that's my experience. And I think for a lot of people, there will always be part of you that misses that person. How could you not if it's somebody you love? But also it gets easier with time and it will it will soften. It's kind of like everything kind of softens from this harsh experience into something um, easier. And everybody, you know, you were talking at the beginning about celebrating. And I don't do that because it's too painful for me. Everyone's different. You can do that, like you suggested, make a plate for someone at, you know, at the holiday if that feels good to you. And if it doesn't, don't do it. Do do whatever feels to you. If that's visiting, you know, where they're now laid to rest, if it's um, putting some commemoration in your home to them, if it's talking to them, praying to them, whatever, if it's um, whatever, however you honor them in your own way or your own private moments, just cherish that and and know that, you know, for me. I'm, I'm religious. I believe in God. So I'll say, depending on what you believe, but for me, I feel like, okay, I know I'll see them again. You know, um, that is the, the faith that I have moving forward. They're still with me in spirit. Like I said, every day, it's just a different, you know, a different existence, but I just want anyone to know no matter what they're going through, like this too shall pass. It really will. It's, it's, you have to look back at your life and think of all the things that were so difficult and you thought this, no way I'm going to get through this. It's just completely impossible, but you got through it anyway. And so if you, if you look at all the times you thought you couldn't surpass something and you did, like you'll get through anything, even something as difficult as this, like you will get through it. I mean, I'm here standing, I'm talking to you. So <laughs> I did something right in the end, you know? Yeah. You're right. And there, there really is, there really is light. There really is hope. And you do, you know, when you have faith for whatever it is that you believe in, that's going to help you to stay uplifted. You know, we have to move in that energy. Um, And it's okay to have those days where you stay in bed and, and, you know, do what you need to do because that is part of the grieving process too. But um, just remind us once again, where, when the book is coming, where we can find it, um, and then how we can follow you. So this way we can keep up with what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. So the book is called She is Magic Unforgettable, and it's about either an unforgettable experience or someone in our life. For me, obviously, that's my mom who's unforgettable to me. And that book is releasing on Amazon on March 14th, uh, 2023. So coming up here in uh, very, very quickly. And they can go there on Amazon the day of. It would be amazing if they could go the day of and get the 99-cent copy. That would really help the book um, propel it on Amazon so other people see it and so we can raise funds for St. Jude uh, Children's Research Cancer Hospital, which does amazing things for children, which we didn't talk about too much, but I know that you're familiar with them. And they do just amazing, amazing things for the families. The families never receive a bill. Um, for the treatment for the children. And so it's really, really remarkable. And children are our future. So we definitely want to help them as much as we can. And um, they can find out more about me at tarlamakayev.com. I'm sure we'll have that somewhere because no one knows how to spell my name. And then um, they can also follow me on the platforms, uh, IG, Facebook, at the Tarla Makayev. And thank you so, so much for having me and getting this really important message out there. I appreciate you guys. Yes. Thank you so much, Tarla. I will make sure to put that information in the show notes. I really do appreciate anyone listening to go out there and provide your support. Um, 
A, because supporting people who share these stories is important. We want to lift them up and show them how much it matters for you to tell your story and your contribution is a way to, to uh, add to that. And then, um, you know, this is a really good cause. You know, we're, uh, there are a lot of kids who, who find their way through um, and, and even through, the, through this war in Ukraine. There were many, many patients that came um, specifically to St. Jude because of what they could provide. Um, and they do such a phenomenal job of things like fundraising. But outside of that very formal process, it is this kind of work where everybody's little bit counts and makes a difference. So believe it or not, you know, if, if just every person who was listening right now did this one small contribution um, which is less than a Starbucks coffee, less than even like a meal at a fast food place. Like it, it just makes such a, such a difference that, uh, can pays dividends. So, um, I'm very much of a, an advocate and support of that. And I just, I support you. I, I really do believe that you have been this genuine soul that's moved in the world. I'm so uh, grateful for our connection. It just felt so genuine when the two of us met. Um, because you're somebody who lives the things that you help people to do. So um, I, I think that's such an important part of humanity is like those of us who, who call ourselves a teacher or a healer in some kind of way are doing the work ourselves. We're, we're learning all the time and finding the ways to heal our own wounds our, our own battle scars, uh, all the different things that we have gone through in our own lives so that we could give the best of ourselves to, to the world. So I just, I honor you in this month and always. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And likewise, you're an amazing woman and I'm so glad to know you. So thank you so much for your support with this as well. Awesome. Tarla Makayev with me today talking about caretaking and grieving and all of the process associated with that. If you are somebody who is a caretaker yourself, or maybe at a place in life where you're getting ready to do that, I hope this was a valuable resource for you. I hope it gave you something to reflect on. You know, Tarla and I were talking about how we know that we're not here forever. And at some point, the people around us are not going to be here anymore, especially those that are our parents uh, and our older loved ones. And it is something that we should be able to discuss uh, more comfortably. I know for me, it's not something that I particularly discuss because I maybe it is a little bit of an avoidance. And that's my own recognition in myself of of the fact that, yeah, we want as much as possible to prolong life and, and, and have as much experiences as possible. Um, Tarla and I both share in the experience of having lost our fathers at a young age. So it is scary when you have only one parent and um, they're in a state of being sick and the potential of them also not being here is, is, is scary, a scary thought. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot to reflect on, I think, in this episode, uh, just about life, but also about death and it, and it being okay to think about that, uh, normalizing uncomfortable conversations, 
I talk about this a lot with the topic of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I know I did a recent episode on that subject matter, but I think we it goes for everything that we sort of avoid. Politics, religion, sex, death, they're all real things in life, and we put barriers and fences around them, and uh, I think sometimes it's unnecessary. I think it's time to have conversations that are uncomfortable so that they can become more comfortable. And I, I, I'm really living in that energy and in that space these days because I do think it's so important for us to be real people who have real feelings, who go through real emotions, and it's not always the positive stuff, and it's not maybe even always the appropriate stuff, and we can't avoid because you're never going to grow when you don't address those things that are hard and those things that are difficult. And I know anybody who's listening that's a parent right now and is thinking about like the conversation you have to have with your kids about drugs, your uh, alcohol, sex, uh, any of those things. It's not easy, but it doesn't mean that you don't figure out how to have those conversations, right? So this is no different in our adulthood. Uh, so I hope that you learned something new. Please do check out Tarla's collaborate, collaborative book. Uh, go out to Amazon. I'll put the information in the show notes once again. Uh, please, if you haven't already, follow and subscribe the Born, to the Born Unbreakable podcast. Leave a rating and review if you haven't already and share this episode with someone who may need to hear it, especially if they are in the caretaking space. It means a lot. Remember that you are your only limit. So take action and tune in again all month long for amazing episodes. And my continuous reminder that this is Women's History Month and we are proud here at Born Unbreakable to celebrate women. Mm-hmm.